0: When you're looking for more and there's no place to go It's a sequels-only bonus show It's not about sequels this time, you know It's a sequels-only bonus show Doug and his pals, well, they know what to do Talking about movies without a part two Looking for more and there's no place to go It's a sequels-only bonus show Talking to stars with Doug soul It's a sequels-only bonus show Sequels only bonus show. Hey there, Doug here. This week's bonus interview is truly a special one for me. Growing up, huge fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And a huge fan of this week's guest, Brad Sherwood. Brad is just one of those guys that when you look at him, before he even talks, he makes you laugh. And then when he does his impressions or his uh, the songs that he can do right off the cuff. He makes you laugh even harder. And Brad's a great guy. We talked about, you know, growing up in Santa Fe, how he discovered acting, how he landed a role on one of the biggest TV shows. Spoiler alert, it's a drama. And he has some great stories from that, and then how he got Whose Line and one thing when we talked, it was, and you'll hear about it throughout the conversation, it was probably about a month into the pandemic, so you'll hear us talking about that a little bit. But I'm actually happy that you know I took so long to put this out because him and Colin, they go on tour together. So they're starting to have some dates that are going to be opening up over the next few months, some that are actually pretty soon. So what I'll do is um, their website is colinandbradshow.com. I'll put the links in the episode notes. And then also what's pretty cool too is you can go on PassportShows.com. I'll put the notes on there. They're actually doing virtual shows. They actually have some coming up. So the next few Saturdays, they have shows. So I'll put the links in that so you can check them out. Two hilarious guys. And you're going to love Brad. So I'm going to shut up. And here is, whose line is it anyways? Brad Sherwood. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Doug? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you so much for asking. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Hey, no problem. I got nothing else to
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So, yeah. thank you. I don't know where you live, but
1: I'm in a pandemic.
0: Me too. Yeah, I'm in Jersey. So, oh yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah. Not not too good. But uh, yeah, at least we can reminisce, talk about your career, and how you started. Sure. Cool, man. So where'd you grow up? Originally Chicago, lived
1: there till I was 10 and then moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, Uh, lived there through end of high school, went to school for four years in Ohio, then moved out to LA, lived there through most of my career. And then five years ago, I uh, left LA and moved to Las Vegas.
0: Oh, look at that! So where along? What was the first time did you get like that inkling to either do improv or act? Which one came first?
1: I wanted to be an actor since I was eight, so I was doing theater and plays ever since I was a kid, all through grade school, all through high school, all through college uh you know I went to school acting school for in college uh, and then moved out to l a to be an actor, and you know, I liked being funny, so that was a strong suit for me and then i got into a, an improv workshop when i was out in la and was like wow this is what <laughs> i want to do for the rest of my life
0: where was it at what school did you uh where did you take the class uh
1: well it was a it was just an improv workshop it was a group called gopher broke you know gopher spelled like the animal gopher yeah and uh you know, I worked with them and then we started performing and then I got into a group called Theater Sports, which are all over the country. They're kind of like comedy sports. It's like team improv with judges scoring the, the, the scenes and stuff. And it's really funny. Gets the whole audience into it. And then I got into Second City out in Los Angeles oh, nice. and uh, just kind of never stopped doing it. I was trying to do as many shows a, a week as I could in L.A., you know, because I just loved doing it. And then eventually whose line came along and went and auditioned for that and got on it.
0: Yeah. So all along those lines in the early part of your improv, you're still auditioning. So like what year was like uh, the first time you took that class? Uh,
1: I I think I took that class about a year and a half into, so maybe 88. I took that
0: class. Yeah.
1: And uh just never stopped doing improv from that day forward, like it was my obsession.
0: love improv, love watching who's line growing up and love like u c b and uh improv for humans all that stuff just improv yeah
1: u c b just closed down. I don't know if you saw the article in variety, but yeah, it was like sort of unceremonious closing and firing and laying off of all of their hardworking employees that was pretty rough
0: the one out the one in New York right. I think
1: all of them. I think the one in New York and the one in California.
0: Oh, shit. Because they had two in New York for a little bit and then they had to close one down. And then, wow. So they had to shut them all down. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was sort of bitter with, you know, they didn't like offer severance or, you know, at least give them some money to tie them over. It was like, nope. So I don't know what kind of resurgence they'll (laughs) have after that with the people that helped like work for nothing for so many years
0: yeah oh man that's rough so so when i do like uh like research before i talk to somebody because i like to dive in and now uh, mm-hmm. one thing that was really cool was you were in la law so like when you email me back and you're like i wasn't in any sequels but you're in a lot of different things over the years like la law so what about that
1: that was really fun and cool it was my first professional job as an actor in Los Angeles uh, I, got, I got on and I did six episodes and you know I, I was mostly a funny person so I went in and I auditioned and I was actually the first audition I did was for a different part was for like the young new lawyer on the show but I mean I was basically six foot four and I looked like I was 12 so you know me in a suit looked like you know a kid's first day trying to sell cars uh, so but they I guess they they liked me in the audition enough to have me read for this other part, which was to play the nanny of Michael Tucker and Jill Eikenberry on the show. And so I had a six-episode arc on the show, and uh, it was like it was so cool because I watched that show when I was in you know college and even in high school. So to end up on a show that I actually watched for that for all that time, and I even got the old back of a director's chair with my name on one side and LA Law on the other. So it was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And it was pretty much the last uh, dramatic acting I ever did <laughs> because I just naturally. Really gravitated towards funny stuff and kind of kept doing that my whole life and did a lot of hosting stuff Most, you know a lot of shows whether they went or not i, I probably hosted you know 20 pilots for different types of reality driven shows and game shows over the years
0: wow what were some of them
1: oh god there were so many there was one called uh this versus that that a friend of mine john hotchkiss produced you can actually look it up online i think he still has a live uh site that has you know clips and stuff from it it's called this versus that with me and uh mark DiCarlo, carlo who used to be the host of studs and it was a friend of mine we, we did uh, second city together and it was kind of like they were looking at different ways to do things like what's the best way to get through traffic in la is it to weave along the freeway and change lanes as much as possible to get ahead? Is it to just stay in one lane on for a distance or is it to take the side street? So we had three uh, camera crews in limos with each one of us hosts and we left at the exact same point and had to get to a different distance in bumper-to-bumper rush hour traffic using those three different things. We had to each adhere to one of those rules to see who got there first. And strangely, I can't remember who it was that got there first, but uh, I hmm. think it was it might've been the person who took the side streets. And then, uh, there was another one where you, the, they were trying to figure out what's the quickest way to load an airplane. And one theory was you do, uh, all, you have all of the C seats get on the plane in order from the back. So like everybody in the, in the window seats go first onto the plane
0: Yeah, and
1: then they, they get in and then the middle row seats, and then the wind, then the aisle seats. And then they tried another where it was just all the people from the back. All, and then they tried another one where it was just random. And uh, so th- it's a fun show because it poses interesting questions on what's the best way to do something.
0: No, that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can actually buy all the episodes. I just watched the, there's a little clip for the airplane boarding and it's you getting, well, many use getting into a little, what is that? A little Fiat. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, yeah that, that was probably a different thing. Not so much the as, same as a plane, but uh, yeah, they yeah. had a whole airplane full of people get onto an airplane set that is shot, used for shooting movies, but it's functional just like a regular plane.
0: That's pretty cool. It was a fun show to do
1: because it was kind of, sci- it, was, it, was, it was sort of a different take on, on Mythbusters, yeah. you know, because we weren't, we weren't taking things and debunking them. We were posing the, what is the best of one, two, three, or four different ways to do something.
0: Yeah, the tag- tagline's pretty funny. It says, this versus that is an all-new investigative series that's 30% mis- Mythbusters, 30% Who's Line, 50% 60 Minutes, and 3% Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty Yeah, funny. John-, John Hotchkiss, who uh, wrote and produced the whole thing, also used to work for uh, Penn & Teller's Bullshit.
0: Oh, nice.
1: So, yes, he has a very fun, smart, snarky pedigree. And uh, we actually worked on a couple of shows together. Uh, there was another one that was sort of like a, a curiosity version of uh, Antiques Roadshow, but we didn't appraise anything. We just found all these weird things and talked to experts about them. He's always trying to find me work. I really appreciate that, although it's been a while. Um, once we come out of quarantine, I should probably give him a call and say, Hey, it's it's been like five years since you haven't tried to create a show for me. What's going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, it's cool. So it's so funny that uh, sometimes the videos you can find on YouTube, and I don't know if you ever wanted to look this up or ever check this out. Somebody cut together all of your scenes from LA law. So it's literally like 10 minutes of everything you're in. Yes. you watch watched that.
1: I, I saw it once, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a little cringeworthy for me, uh, not because I was so adorable and young, but I just was not the greatest uh dramatic actor in the world. But that's OK. I, I still I still made good. I You know, I never considered myself a real good dramatic actor. You know, everything I was cast in, even in college, was the musical comedies and the comedies. So I wasn't thinking I was ever going to, you know, be looking into Meryl Streep's eyes. So no one was more surprised than me when I got on L.A. Law, believe me.
0: Hey, they saw something in you, but and you're on there for a little while, so that's cool. Yeah, and you
1: know it was my first gig, and I was like 22, maybe. So you know, it was it was it was fun. I I don't have to be so hypercritical on myself, but you know, when you look back at anything, it's like looking back at a home movie. Everybody's always embarrassed seeing themselves younger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless they were like a quarterback on a football team that was winning the high school championship, then that video is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, then they're cool. So, uh, yeah. so, who's line? Wise, what was your step to like? How, how did that audition come about? Somebody like scout you, or is it open call? Uh,
1: actually, it was. Uh, I was working at Second City in L.A. Down there was a theater down in Santa Monica that we all worked at, and uh, I was in uh, the touring company, and Ryan Stiles was in the main company. And so we were were friends and I knew him and I was actually even his understudy in the main show. So if he was sick or had to go work somewhere, I would take his spot. So when the producers of Who's Line from the British show came to town, they were looking for new people for the British show. This was long before it was on the US. And uh, he said, they're coming to town. You should go audition because you could probably get on. And so I did. And it was like. It was, I don't know if you've ever seen the play chorus line, but it was it was that same kind of brutal, you know, it, I went into the audition with probably 30 other people, many of whom I knew from the improv world. So it was like oh. me and my buddies and peers and all that all in a room with the producers of Who's Line. And then they just started running this all through games. And every half hour or so, uh, you know, they would thank a group of the part of the group uh, for coming to the audition and then they would go. And then it was, you know, it was like, and then there was 10 and then there was five and then it was, we'll call you. And I was the only one that got called from that whole audition and it was, you know, I, I, every season, every episode I've ever done, I've always felt like I'm still auditioning for the show. Oh, so, man. you know, you you never feel like you've got your your job for permanent. Uh, even, even when I went to do the Who's Line uh, that first time for the British version, they shot them in New York that year. Uh, that was the only time they did it. But uh, we were just doing a run through and a guy who had come all the way from Australia to do the show wasn't quite funny enough for the producers in that audition. And they sent him home after flying to New York from Australia. And he thinks he's going to be on whose line and Nope, he didn't get on. So I was always aware from that moment forward that don't ever think you're on this show forever.
0: (laughs) But that's the beauty of improv because you're always, you know, everything's new. There's like, you know, there's no rehearsal. It's just you being in the moment and reacting and working with the people that, you know, now, obviously the first time it was probably that first time you're, you know, cutting, well, not Ryan, but maybe Colin, I don't know who else would have been on that first episode you did of the British version, but man, you know, it. it's every time you feel like you have to bring it because, you know, maybe they'll send you home like the guy from Australia.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I always, I, even, even later on, when i have been on this show for years, I never took it for granted. I always knew I have to be as funny as I can possibly be, or I might not be on the fi- the season, the next season. So yeah, it's, you always have to sing for your supper.
0: <laughs> so you said it was second city in Chicago, in Chicago, or was it LA? when? No,
1: it, Los Angeles. Yeah. For, for a short time, they had a, uh, a theater out in Santa Monica. It's called the Mayfair Theater. It's a beautiful old movie theater that they uh, turned into a cabaret uh, theater for Second City. And a bunch of people from uh, different Second Cities, generations from Chicago and from uh, Toronto, sort of started the main show out there. And they kind of did the greatest hits of some of their stuff. And then after they'd been there for a while, they wrote some new shows. Uh, like the second city always do. So it was really, you know, it was really cool, uh, to be part of that. And I took workshops from lots of great teachers like Jeff Michalski. And we learned from Del Close nice. and got to work with great performers on, in my cast and on the main stage mm-hmm. too. So Ryan was in that show and, uh, Richard Kind was in that show. Oh, my
0: God, Richard. I interviewed uh, Lance Kinsey, who was uh, in Police Academy, and he did a movie a few years back, and Richard was in it, and he had some pretty amazing stories about just the kind of guy he is.
1: I I know Lance, too. He's a really great guy. Also a a Second City guy. Yeah, yeah. The sweetest guy in the world. I haven't seen him in years, but... I, every time I spent time with him, I was like, this guy is so cool. I want him to be my like re- friend in real life.
0: <laughs> no, he was cool. I was able to pick his brain about Police Academy. And he did a movie. He had a really small budget. It was about like uh, he, he was inspired by his like daughter's softball league. So he was mm-hmm. smart because he had a sh- small budget and he wanted to shoot it quick. And he shot it in 12 mm-hmm. days. He got a bunch of good improvisers. So he got Richard. There was a few other people that he reached out to that he knew pretty well and uh he was able to do it that quick because he had people that could just riff on lines and he said oh yeah easy
1: you just give an outline and that's that's all they need
0: yeah so your first time you do it and then how long until they invited you back on whose line
1: uh i think i went back the next two years i think yeah i think I, i did three seasons of the british version in a row and then we moved to america when uh, Ryan and Drew and, and the producers got ABC to give it a chance in the summer with six episodes, and they reluctantly said, "All right, we'll give you six episodes in the summer," and then it ran for eight years in primetime.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Like that is, I'm sure. Have there been other attempts for improv on? I'm sure there has have to have been. Yeah, there's
1: Wild and Out is an MTV show oh, yeah, that McCannon does. Yeah, yeah and uh, I think there've been others like. There was one that was like on NBC, it was an hour weekly thing where they would have celebrities who would have to like walk into an unknown set environment with a bunch of other improvisers and sort of improvise their way through whatever was going on. And I don't know, it wasn't honey, I'm home, but it was kind of that premise. They would walk in the door and say hello and and uh, then have to start into the scene. And, and, you know, while the other improvisers were sort of prompting them into whatever the crisis was, but they didn't know what was happening, you know, so.
0: Yeah. You're doing the two years and then, it, you know, and then along the way, as you talked about all the hosting jobs you have, I can only go, the only ones I know are the ones that are like on your IMDb and you hosted, you know, the dating game. Yes, I did. Oh man.
1: Hosted it for a year and then uh, Chuck Woolery took my job. How dare he?
0: Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced that uh, they had uh, me and Gary Kroger, who's an, a, a, a Saturday Night Live alum from the 80s, I believe, or early 90s, maybe. Uh, but we, we both co-hosted, uh, not co-hosted, but he did the newlywed game and I did the dating game so that we were back-to-back packaged. And the pr- pr- production company that did it, I think it was Columbia TriStar. They hired us to do it, and we were both really excited, and the very next year, it got picked up, and they gave um, uh, my job to Chuck Woolery, and they gave his job to Bob Eubanks, so (laughs) I'm very convinced that we were like just the test pilots to get the the plane off the ground, and they had every intention of bringing back the old guard once they knew that the market was going to bear out that the show would go. Cause it was just too weird that they like sent both of us packing and (laughs) brought in two guys, one that used to do uh, a dating show and one that used to actually host the newlywed game.
0: What is that like hosting a dating show? The dating game was kind of, you know,
1: it, and it always has been, it's it's kind of a chance to be on TV for people. And back then it was, you know, what most game shows were, were out-of-work actors trying to get on. And out-of-work actors generally got a lot on the game shows, too, because they're good, high-energy people that aren't nervous. So they're And they're usually pr- able to think pretty fast on a TV show. So they make for great contestants when it's a kind of game show where you're not just picking them out of the audience randomly uh, when when you have, you know, segment producers pre choosing them. So all the most of the people that applied to be on the dating game were young, you know, 20 something actors. So they were all, you know, so it was it was me kind of setting up two actors that really had no interest in actually going out after the game was over. Just, they want a ticket to somewhere, (laughs) you know, they'd go there by themselves if they won. But uh, for example, one of the, uh, on one of the shows, the bachelorette for the show choosing from the three guys was uh, Cheryl Hines.
0: What? Yes. What? Like one of the first episodes, like early on in that?
1: Well, this was long before Curb Your Enthusiasm. Wow. This was probably 10 years before Curb Your Enthusiasm happened. She was, you know, she was in the groundlings, I think. And, uh, you know, she hadn't broken in yet on, obviously, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So just like everybody else, you know, I I, I did Win, Lose, or Draw when I first moved out to L.A. You know, that was (laughs) my first uh, $2,500 I ever made in my life (laughs) in Hollywood. Yeah
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Now, I remember Steve Martin was on the old dating game, I think in like the, geez, must have been like the late 60s, or early 70s. Yeah. So yeah, now that a makes lot sense. Of, a lot of
1: people were on it. I think maybe Tom Selleck was too, if I don't, if I remember correctly.
0: That makes sense. That mustache could probably break some hearts yeah. back then. So yeah, <laughs> somebody saw that and they're like, that guy could be a, a cop with a Hawaiian shirt and a Detroit Tigers hat. Exactly. So, when it comes to Who's Line, so you've done, you know, I don't know, God, what, 80, 90, 100 episodes of that, probably?
1: Yeah, probably like close to 90, I think.
0: Yeah. So, is there, obviously, you're great at all the games. Is there a favorite that you have?
1: Well, I kind of like the singing just because it's the scariest for me. It's the, you know, it's the hardest stuff to do because. If you're, doing, if you're spoofing a, a certain type of band or singer, you have to sound like them, you have to sing about whatever the topic is, you have to sing on key and make sense, sensible lyrics that are talking about the topic, and on top of that, you have to make it rhyme. <laughs> and you're following the band to stay on key and go wherever they're going with the music and adapting to that the whole time. So I, I, I like that challenge because... As a purist of improv, you want it to be kind of fun and scary and always pushing you into the unknown. And so a game like that, where you're spinning a lot of plates at the same time, uh, makes it just that much harder. I use that analogy a lot, spinning plates, but that's such an old <laughs> circus act, you know, variety show thing that doesn't even exist anymore, that it's it's kind of like saying dialing the phone or yes. you know, looking the phone book. Use the yellow pages. People are like, "What the hell are you talking about?"
0: No, I know. No, that is true. I kind of say things like that too, and because I'm like one of the last gener, not the last generations, but of those things. Like you know, nowadays kids can watch whatever they want. My my wife's an English teacher in seventh grade, and uh, they don't get references. Like she can show clips of things, and if anything, even in a book they're reading, they reference something from 20 years ago. They don't know that because they don't. Right choose to watch that when you, you know, when you were growing up, me growing up, yeah, you know, everything, whatever was on TV is what you watched. There was no
1: really choices. Yeah. Yeah. We all had, whatever your age, there was a, a commonality that, yes. that everybody watched LA Law and everybody watched a Saturday Night Live. And now there are so many options with streaming and see, there's whole programs and networks that you don't even know exist. That's someone else's fixation. Yes, that's true. Like you know, there's decades of of children's TV and animation stuff that I know nothing about. That a whole generations have grown up with, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's so My Little Pony!" And I'm like, "Well, I've seen the toy, but I know nothing else about it." <laughs> yes. and, and video games that were you know past my time, you know, Street Fighter and all that, and people are walking on mm, score, Ugh! you know, and I don't know any of those references. <laughs> I can do great centipede jokes and space invaders, though.
0: <laughs> have you ever done uh, stand up at all? Uh, a, a couple times in college, and it really wasn't
1: for me. I, I I've done my improv show. I used to do a two man version, and now I also do a one man version that I've done at comedy clubs. And so that's scary enough doing improv in front of a a drunk comedy club audience. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, stand up never really appealed to me because I I guess I didn't really have a a clear like voice or persona or angle that I wanted to do as a standup. So you either kind of have to go in as a smart guy acting stupid to tell your jokes, or you're just a smart guy saying that everything else is stupid. Those are kind of your options if you aren't like from the South or you're not uh, an ethnicity that can then poke fun at his whole family and the way his family (laughs) does things, you know, and, or his immigrant parents, it's like there's that whole angle that uh, just a tall skinny white guy, like me does not really have, I either have to be really sarcastic and acerbic and say, notice that everything's stupid or you have to, like I said, come up with kind of a persona that's a little dopey and, so that you're sort of making fun of yourself in the way you misperceive everything.
0: Yeah. I don't know if there's like, you know, a Santa Fe, you know, growing up in Santa Fe. I don't know if that would relate to the rest of the country, the hardships. Yeah, because
1: it. nobody knows really about Santa Fe other than, you know, uh, Santa Fe style and uh, Chipotle flavoring on their chicken <laughs> patty. <laughs>
0: That's great. So, so from whose line? So, so you talked about it just now. The two, the two man show that was with Colin. How did you form yeah. that bond that you were like you and me?
1: Well, it wasn't so much a bond formed. It was we were both doing the uh, live shows with Drew and the whole cast. We would go out every uh, Super Bowl weekend to Vegas and we would perform for a weekend at uh, the casino, one of the casinos there. And there were like 10 of us in the cast. So it'd be like, you know, most of the games are two, maybe three people. So you'd get up and do a game and then you sit down for two or three games while the rest of the cast rotated and got to perform in something. So in, in an evening that was like an hour and a half hour, 45 minutes long, you might be in three, four games if you were lucky. So, you know, there's just a lot of sitting on the bench, you know? So, you know, it was almost like a football team. Like if, if uh, the defense uh, is on the field the whole time, the offense doesn't get to play. Um, But uh, yeah. So I had been doing a two man show in comedy clubs and actually our wives were talking and my wife was telling Colin's wife, Deb, that Brad's been doing this thing. Would Colin be interested in maybe doing this in theaters with Brad, a two man show? And she said, I think so. And so we all went out and talked about it and we said, let's try it. And we went to the promoters and people that were sending me out and they booked us into a couple of theaters. We did a, a two week run in November back in, Oh God, 2002, something like that. It went great. And we have never stopped doing it since. So until, you know, until right now,
0: <laughs> until right now
1: we've been canceling shows. You know? It's hard to get people into the theaters right now. <laughs> There are are no theaters that have less than 10 people. So, you know, because that's the biggest group that's um, allowed to amass right now. (laughs) So it's really hard to travel across the country to to do a performance for eight people that are all sitting six feet apart, not wanting to laugh or cough on each other. It's just not a good time.
0: (laughs) That Yeah, because they try to laugh and then it might sound like a cough. And then right. If they laugh too hard and start coughing, then half your
1: audience leaves. Now you've got four people. Six feet apart, it's really, you know, it's hard to get a laugh going.
0: <laughs> so, with your, uh, what's the format of your one man shows? How do you do that?
1: It, you know, it's still sort of game stuff, but I bring audience members up. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's totally interactive with the audience. And it's goofy. And I end the show sort of doing a big question and answer where I answer all their questions to different songs. So, I have all <laughs> these, you know, really funny, you know, recognizable radio hit, sort of the karaoke version, instrumental, and then I sing their answer <laughs> to them, to the tune of whatever the song is. And it, it's always a very popular, goofy show-ender. And I just keep going, and, you know, I tell them, I, I, it's called smart questions, stupid questions. So I said, you can ask me anything about anything like from science or nature or the world and blah, blah, blah anything but politics. Uh, Or sports, because sports questions are just not interesting to answer in a comedy show. It's just stats and who's better than who. And politics is too divisive, and it just makes me too mad to think about politics. Yeah. So I don't. And so it's just goofy questions like what's a good cream for a rash or like how does en- entropy work or, you know, something about physics. So, so it's stupid questions, smart questions. So they can answer one from asking one from either category. And some nights it's like 10 smart questions and one stupid question. Then other nights it's like 12 stupid questions, you know, so, it, you know, it's fun because the audience sort of sets the tone for where they want to go with it.
0: That's cool getting them involved. I think that's, you know, all of Whose Line is funny, but it's really cool when you see people that are so out of their element, either yeah. when you're singing to them or they're in there moving around, you know, Colin and Ryan on stage. It's so cool to see people because they're, you know, they're doing something that they, for the most part, have probably never done before.
1: And that, and it's it's I, I like having audience members up on stage. Some people prefer not to, but I love it because it's just that extra element of what the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> and, and the, I think the audience gets more excited too, because of that heightened sort of extra level of fear. Cause they're nervous for the person on stage as an audience member. And they're nervous for us that we may not be able to do with it is something, you know, it's kind of like a, it's, It's kind of when you go see some act of the circus that you're like, there's no way the lady on the unicycle is going to be able to (laughs) kick that teacup up onto the top of the stack on top of her head. It's the same nerves that audiences have watching us either try and start doing improv to song or with an audience member up on stage.
0: (laughs) That is true. That's so cool, man. Is there uh so you like the singing cuz you said it's kind of like hard but you and you enjoy doing it cuz it pushes you? Is there one that you did and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm that I went there?" Was there like a female artist or anyone else?
1: Uh, they usually the, the producers usually don't throw like a female at us, okay. but Uh, But I never did like impersonations or anything. So sometimes the producers would, they would want to try a certain musical genre beforehand, just to see if we were comfortable doing it. So they might play some, like if, if they wanted us to do a Rolling Stones, like they may do They say, can you guys just do an improviser Rolling Stones about uh, toothpaste? So we would just give it a try. And if the producers that were sitting there were like, oh, okay, that would work really well as a a genre. And we're happy with how you guys sound. And it's funny. Then they would change what kind of stone song they were knocking off on the night of the show. And then obviously they'd be getting, you know, suggestions from the audience. But they just wanted to see if we could do it. Like, like that's how the whole uh, B fifty two thing yeah. happened. Like I had never, ever in my million, I, in my entire life, I had never tried to sing like uh, Fred Schneider from the B 52s <laughs> But they pitched it to us in a, in a, you know, when we were workshopping the games, and they said, "Um, um, Brad, can you?" do the B-52s and I was like uh, okay I'll give it a try and so uh, I can't remember if if Laura was even the, the keyboard player back then I think she was yeah and uh, so we were uh, doing something and she started you know just a, a, a B-52 sounding thing and they had given me a suggestion and I just started singing how I thought he sounded and they all just started busting up because I literally sounded exactly like him so that's how every one of my impersonations kind of came along is I just tried it doing it right there on the spot and had never done it before. Same with Bruce Springsteen. You know, it's just like <laughs> a couple of them that, I, that I, I feel like I really nailed. They were all completely a not a, a one-off the first time I did it in front of the producers. It wasn't like, you know, people like from the groundlings or that are on SNL, they have like a giant suitcase full <laughs> of everybody that they do <laughs> all these voices and impersonations and stuff. Cause that has to be sort of part of your, your weaponry. But I, I sort of discovered that on the fly That's during awesome. the years of Hoofline. yeah, it was kind of fun.
0: <laughs> so when you were in LA, did you try out for the groundlings or any, any other kind of group or.
1: No, I was, I was so busy doing theater sports yeah. and second city while I was there that I, you know, I was doing like four or five shows a week on all these different groups. And we had a splinter group while I was still doing theater sports. Uh, we had a group that was some of the upper tier of theater sports, that we formed a group called Raw Irony, and we used to perform at a club in L.A. called the Laugh Factory, and we performed there every Sunday night for eight years. So that was just like I had a gig every Sunday night in L.A. for eight years, and we did three shows a week at, at Theater Sports. And then when I was doing Second City, I was doing a uh, touring company show there uh, on the weekends, and uh, taking workshops and teaching improv for a little bit at theater sports too. So I was oh, really cool. just busy doing it all over town. And then there was the Herald nights that started happening down in Santa Monica with all the old second city alum. So we had people coming in and jamming and it was me and Ryan and when Colin was in town and Jeff Garland and oh, that's awesome. Jeff Michalski and even Robin Williams sat in with us one time oh. and just like generations of, of second city people, uh, From so many different uh, companies
0: over the years, man, that's pretty special. That's cool. That'd be cool to be like a fly on the wall there, or if they had that on, if they filmed something like that, man, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, that was it. Was such a great time. I wish they had uh, filmed some of them because there were some were just sublime. You know, and we would do four a night. There would be they whoever showed up, and usually there were about I don't know. 25 of us so they'd sort of split us into you know four groups of six and then each group would just start off the night asking for like one suggestion and they would do a herald on it i don't know if you know about heralds but they're kind of like a long form improv yeah and you know some people had done lots of heralds and some people had done hardly any but just had the second city background or you know all that ken campbell i don't know if you know who ken campbell is no no your voice, your, your voice sounds just like him. He was on a show called Herman's Head, and he's done a lot of voice uh, and radio stuff. He does a lot of t- t- tags and teases for a radio station called, I think, the Mountain. I don't know if that's just a local thing, but <laughs> but here he talks kind of like this, and it sounds very similar to your voice.
0: Oh well, hopefully so somebody you, listens to this and they're like, "Hey, you know, we need somebody to fill in for the Mountain in a few years."
1: You should listen. You should look up Ken Hunts a Camel. He's probably got some YouTube voice clips on. Uh, Somewhere on the internet, and you can hear him. Oh, well. He and I actually—he and I and Ryan, because he's also a Second City guy—we did a Second City sketch show pilot that unfortunately didn't take off because just the way things are. And it was me, Ryan, Ken, uh, a little guy named Steve Carell, and uh-huh. uh, and a friend of mine named Sherry Bilsing. And it was—you can actually if you look up Brad Sherwood and Steve Carell. On YouTube, there's a sketch called New Concept, or The Ad Guys, I think it is. And you'll see the two of us looking like we're 12 years old. It's freaking awesome. Write that down.
0: The show is called The News?
1: No, I was on a show called The News. That, this oh, was okay. called. No, this was uh, called, uh, this was a pilot uh, called, uh, what was it?
0: Um, oh, Life something. As We Know It?
1: I, pipe as we know it, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, they have it listed on here because maybe there was just one that was out there for Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. It was, they have it as a TV movie on your IMDb. Hmm. Oh, look at that, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So that's a cute. And then the guy who is the boss in that is Ken Campbell, but he's <laughs> nice. doing a, a character voice that doesn't sound exactly like his voice, but you can kind of get the, the gist of it.
0: Oh, man, I'll check that out after this. It's pretty cool.
1: But just to see, just to see me and Steve literally looking like we're twelve years old—it's hysterical.
0: Yeah, I watched the documentary. It was too funny to fail—the Dana Carvey show one—and the oh, yeah. commercials that Steve Carell was in were so funny. Like he was in like these random like burger chain. I don't even know where Maybe they were in Chicago because I know that's where he was out of. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny.
1: And this was this was long before the Dan oh, yeah. Carvey Taco Bell special. <laughs> this was I don't know I don't know how many years before, but I, I remember I was excited to see that he got on that afterward.
0: Wow, man, that's so cool! It looks really I, I found it, so that's good. Cool, man. So, Brad, one question I like to ask people: It sounds like obviously you have always wanted to, you know, do theater. You always wanted to be an actor. Was there anything else? Did you ever have anything else in your mind as like a fallback or was it like this or nothing?
1: Well, I think everybody wants to be a rock star. So, yeah. you know, there's that, uh, yeah. I, I play, uh, 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 sort of bad rhythm, acoustic guitar. So I write oh. songs, you know, I used to write a lot of them when girls would break up with me. So, you know, and, and when I was, when I was younger, I was sort of this weird dichotomy of musical styles. I loved like hard rock and metal and then I also liked Cat Stevens and James Taylor and Jim Croce. So I had two sides to me, this soulful, uh, introspective, soft folk. And then just like, oh, Metallica, Twisted Sister, Motley Crue, ACDC, you name it, Judas Priest. I was in all of that. So,
0: <laughs> do you ever perform live anywhere?
1: Uh, musically? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, maybe. Well, I think I did a coffee shop once for a bunch of friends in LA once, but it was so weird. Cause I just like, even songs I knew backwards and forwards, I like panicked and couldn't remember all the words because <laughs> I, it's the only time I'm nervous because I'm not nervous when I'm improvising and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm very comfortable at doing that. But I was just like, oh, so scared to do music on stage, especially because it was just me and the guitar.
0: I just thought of like a really funny sketch you talked about. you used to write a lot of songs when you know somebody would break up with you. It's like they have a sketch. I don't know like where it would be, but yeah this guy he becomes very successful because a girl broke up with him, and then he finds a girl. he's still touring, he gets married, but his album sales are going down, so he like has to do something to get her to break up with him, because then he can have inspiration again.:
1: Yeah, that's called Billy Joel.. <laughs> it's
0: Billy Joel.
1: Billy Joel wrote the greatest albums. And then he married Christie Brinkley and Uptown Girl came out. <laughs> so oh. you go from Piano Man to Uptown Girl, you know, things have gone wrong.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I wonder if other artists like that, if you look at their like discography and you're like, oh, I mean, this album sucked. And it's like, oh, he just had a kid. He was really happy.
1: Yeah. It, yeah music, but the best music comes out of pain and rejection and uh, unrequited love a lot of the best art does but really music music is done by jilted lovers and guys who can't get the girl to pay attention to it it's <laughs> really it's a very protracted but it's like you know birds have their mating calls we have rock and roll <laughs> so
0: that's, thanks you for taking the time it was a fun you know picking your brain and talking about how you got started and uh and you're one-time gig as a dramatic actor.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That
0: was cool.
1: Yeah. Who knows? I might have to, maybe I'll do my own uh, dramatic YouTube channel where I just read really dramatic pieces from screenplays and plays during this time when everybody needs a laugh. That's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go the other direction.
0: Yeah. Dramatic head turns. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) over and over just like shortcuts of you just turning and looking at different things in your house.
1: Yeah. just like little quick Snapchat videos of me doing dramatic takes.
0: (laughs) 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 Wasn't Brad awesome. He was such a blast to talk to. And I don't know if he did the dramatic Snapchat short videos, uh, his dramatic readings that we talked about, but uh, everything else that you heard throughout the interview, I'll make sure to put in the episode notes so you could check it out. The life as you, we know it with him, Ryan uh, Ken Hudson Campbell, which he said that I sounded like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what I sound like. It's comparing to other people, but if, if you guys are listening and you're like, Hey, Ken Hudson Campbell, you do sound like him. Let us know. Uh, again, our Twitter is at sequels only. and I want to mention again, their website is Colin and And then also check out their virtual shows passportshows.com. I'll put all the links in there. And thanks again, Brad, and don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at sequels only. And don't forget to check out our website sequelsonly.com. Good night.